Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I spoke to Edmund, the CEO of BitOps, and we talked about his journey in philosophy and how he's taken that journey into procurement and sourcing in supply chain with his platform called BitOps. We also talked about how they have an automated negotiation function, which is going to change the game for procurement professionals. If you missed that episode, don't worry, we've got you covered. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast, or check it out wherever you subscribe to the Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. E2Open is an end-to-end supply chain software platform helping the largest companies in the world with the most complex supply chains in the world. They are partnering with their customers on collaboration, visibility, network connectivity, and handling disruptions. And they see that the ultimate value lies in people and meeting their needs. That's why they partner with their customers. If you are looking for an end-to-end supply chain solution, check out e2open.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. We've got some exciting news that we cannot wait to share this month with you. We've got some brand new live stream shows. Plus, we are celebrating our 200th episode coming up as well. So today, I'm joined by a company who are bringing award-winning wearable technologies to the industry. Combining precision engineering and big data analytics with a focus on the human worker, their technology is reducing costs, redefining efficiency, and improving health and safety. Who is it? Well, I'll let you know after our question of the week. So the question we asked was, what was your biggest workplace mistake and how did you bounce back from it? Peter Bole says, speaking an unfiltered truth without first checking mentally on the messaging prior to speaking up. Allow myself a moment to reflect on how the message will be perceived and temper it to the audience. We had some other great um, answers here. Leslie, my biggest career mistake was ignoring my instincts at a, as a first-time manager. I took cues from my male counterpoints and was very bro and pushed people unnecessarily hard. It took me longer than it should have to realize that doing well felt right. Building trust and t- transparency with my staff was a better management style. Anthony Gordon, while with Newsweek magazine, I gave the authorization to release 250,000 newsstand copies with an article that stated Gene Harris was guilty of killing Dr. Herman Tarnower. But unfortunately, the verdict had not come in at the time, but two days later. So they were able to get almost all the copies back um, substituted with a rewrite. So he took ownership of his mistake and how he made the decision. Jennifer, I would definitely have been hiring or I... I would definitely have been hiring the wrong people for the wrong reasons. It affects everything. Stephanie Schrader, 
Great question. Mine was not thoroughly vetting a longtime supplier's new supplier in Asia and having an auditor point out why we failed an audit. I was able to pivot quickly and move the order elsewhere. Sarah Scudder not trusting my gut and staying at a company I knew I shouldn't have. I bounced back by leaving and joining a new company that was aligned with my values. Thank you so much to everybody who participated in the question of the week. We ask that question across all of the Let's Talk Supply Chain social media every single Wednesday morning, and I always love hearing your answers. So make sure to uh, post a response to the LinkedIn post and we will feature you on an upcoming episode. So now back to today's podcast and which really exciting and innovative company is joining me today? Well, it's ProGlove. ProGlove are a German engineering company that takes a human-centric approach to innovation, shaping the future of smart wearables for industry 4.0. From picking and inventory management through to packing and track and trace, ProGlove technology allows your business to ensure accuracy, speed, and safety at every point of a product's journey and gives you the visibility and data you need to accelerate your supply chain, lower costs, and improve customer satisfaction. So today, Ilhan Kulko, Chief Product Officer at ProGlove, joins me to chat all about ProGlove, what they do, their refreshing human-centric approach, and the future of IoT technology. But let's first learn a little bit more about Ilhan. Well, he joined ProGlove in 2020 from Echo Global Logistics, which is a leader, leading provider of tech-enabled transportation and supply chain management services. Echo is noted for its meteoric rise since its formation in 2005 by Groupon veterans to its NASDAQ listing in 2009 and a 2020 revenue forecast in excess of $2 billion. At Echo, Colco was VP of product and user experience. He led the design and development of Eco's digital freight marketplace and proprietary API-first transportation management platform. Colco hosts a bachelor's in industrial engineering from Purdue and a master's in marketing analysis from DePaul University. So welcome to the show, Ilhan. Hi, Sarah. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. I am so excited that you're here. I mean, when I was doing my research for the show, I got really excited about what I was discovering about you guys. So I'm looking forward to diving into what ProGlove is all about today and, you know, finding more about finding out more about your technology, your ethos, and how you are helping your customers. So let's just dive right in and let's get started with some background on ProGlove. I believe that you're a startup founded in Munich. So how and why was it founded? And maybe paint us a picture of how ProGlove got to where it is today, because I think it's been quite a journey for you guys in the last six or seven years. It certainly has been, and as you said, we were founded uh, out of uh, Munich. Uh, our, our four core founders are pretty much German engineers uh, who had the entrepreneurial spirit, and uh, they tra traveled quite a bit, uh, tried different things. Um, but um, what was the one of the first defining moments for Proglo was uh, that our co-founders uh, joined this uh, competition by Intel uh, about roughly six years ago, um, and that, that the competition was called Make It Variable. So the whole idea was with, you know, Industry 4.0 at the time becoming a concept uh, and that everyone was interested in it. So Intel ran that competition and our co-founders came uh, in the third place in that. And, and that lent them some uh, seed level money uh, to take their project further. Um, and, and they, they took the check 
and started developing the product portfolio uh, that has started and got us to this point. Now, uh, we were we have been based out of Muni. That's where our headquarters is at. But I'm, I'm joining here today from our Chicago office, which is our second headquarters. And over the time, we you know grew pretty much uh, globally around the world. We have a lot of team members across the world um, that are you know working to deliver you know way better, smarter workflows um, to our customers than than they um, they had. What an incredible journey. I mean, to go into a competition, win some seed money, and grow to where you are today from that seed funding. I mean, how amazing. So tell us, what exactly does ProGlove do and how do you help your customers? Absolutely. And, and we, we make industrial variables and uh, connect human workers with the industrial IoT. So the human workforce is at the center of what we do. We're very human-centered. And, and, and when it comes to our products, uh, we make ergonomic hardware and integrated software solutions that goes along with it. So over the course of the time, uh, and this was related to the, the product that actually, the, the, the prototype that actually won the competition too, uh, we made uh, the world's lightest, smallest, and uh, fastest barcode scanner that could fit uh, to your hand, to the back wow. of your hand. So that scanner um, doesn't have any on and off button, uh, has a very good like uh, battery life. Um, and the, the, one of the biggest things that it brings to the human worker on a shop floor, your hands are free. So that is the number one value prop that we were able to bring uh, to the market, to our customers. We let the, the, the hands of the workers free. So in an, in an industrial environment where it's a, where it's a you know, parcel postal sorting um, you know, station, or you need to do a picking route at a distribution center, or you're doing assembly on a manufacturing line in an automotive factory, what all these, uh, you know, the, 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 the common thing that these, these workers, these users have is that they need their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and scanning, barcode scanning itself is, is perceived as a non-value add step in, in many processes. Right. So it is something that gets in the way. No one actually scans for a living, right? But you have to scan something to be able to complete the job that is in front of you. So our, our, our scanners, uh, the, the first major component of our product portfolio solved the problem very well. And then that led us to the, the, the journey that I'll talk about probably in the, in, the, in the later part of our conversation. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's talk a little bit more about that wearable technology because the traditional way of doing things, um, and, you know, some people are still doing this, are with big handheld barcode scanners, right? So like what you were saying is that their hands aren't free. Right. They're not free to be able to pick and pack and, and move the way that they need to move to be able to um, put those orders together in a in a seamless and fast manner. Right. Especially when you've got a big handheld barcode scanner in your hand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's I, the number one difference, obviously, is that you free up their hands. What are some of the other differences and why should people be you know, looking to solutions like ProGlove? One of the key uh, elements uh, of like having a variable on the worker is, is definitely there is the you know the ROI concept um, is like uh, it takes at least six, six seconds per scan to actually pick up uh, a handheld scanner. So and imagine that you are a worker on a manufacturing line that has to scan like a thousand parts a shift. So immediately like you know six thousand seconds right there we're saving 
um, to our workers and multiply that with um, the, the, the number of lines that you would have, number of different processes that we can operate in, um, we have almost like immediate ROI within the first month with many of our customers. Uh, so that is uh, that is priceless for them. But over time, um, the, the, the good thing about variables and the good thing about IoT in general is our ability to collect, process, consolidate, um, contextualize data. So the fact that our products are on the workers at any given time, first of all, in the individual level, that gives so much information and empowerment to the worker. So this um, you know, human digital concept um, is, is, has been thrown around for quite a bit of time, but now I think we truly believe that we have the first true real implementation of the human digital uh, twin as a result because our workers have it on them at any given time. Wow. Now, we've had to really uh, be careful and very surgical with the way that we built it because we now also have to mind the privacy of the workers. We have to be compliant with the, uh, the re- labor regulations and, and wherever we go in the world. And we are very, very um, you know, focused on making the life easier for the humans. So that's a very important topic. So we definitely anonymize the data the moment it leaves the workers. Right. Uh, it's now about the process, not about the workers. And, but on the individual level as well, we, we offer that to the workers so they can see, oh, look, this is how many steps I took today. This is how many pieces I moved. Um, this is how much time it took for me to scan all these things. This is how much time it took me to do other activities uh, within, within the day. So right. that uh, came in as a natural extension of having a variable technology rather than something like a tool that you have to pick up and, and leave back on the counter. So when you say wearable, I automatically go to Fitbit, right? Because that's kind of yeah. the first thing from a from a personal standpoint that I've had access to as a wearable. So what does it look like? What are they wearing? Are they wearing like a Fitbit type device or what, what exactly is it? Can you, I know this is audio, so you can't really show me a picture, <laughs> but can you describe it to me and where are they wearing uh, the product? And I'll, um, I'll, I'll do that. And uh, actually, I had it on my desk now that I had to move to this meeting room for better sound. <laughs> I don't have it on me anymore. Um, but like it's a, it's a um, you know, matchbox size, um, 40 gram um, little like orange box. Uh, some of our products have a little display on it, a 1.4 inch display on it. So if, if for, our, for, our, um, for, for the audience, if they, if they have a smartwatch, it is about the size of that, uh, that 44-inch smartwatch, a little wider, a little bit rugged because it's used in an industrial setting, yeah. and slightly thicker than that. And, it, and it, we do have a case that goes on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a glow um, that, or, or a strap that goes on the hand, and it just sits right on it on your hand. So from that point on, it becomes an extension of your body, which is the whole uh, you know, the purpose of industrial wearables. Uh, or variables in general, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw actually a trivial question here. What is the first variable technology that is accepted like a, as a, from a historian's perspective? I don't know. You're kind of catching me off guard. Tell me. Eyeglasses. So um, the, what started in, uh, in, in late 12th century, um, you know, that has become, uh, that is accepted as the first milestone as a variable technology, and then you can add several, several things along with it. I think uh, Fitbit is a, is a product that I have a lot of respect for as well, too. But especially, um, I think we could, you know, pretty much divide the history of variables all the way from uh, eyeglasses to, um, to until the Industrial Revolution, and then from Industrial Revolution to maybe like early 70s. And since 70s and on, um, are, are, you know, uh, we, we've had significant progresses in this. In this yeah. Area. 
Yeah, no, we absolutely have. So I'm guessing because you're in an industrial type area when you're in a, in a warehouse, how are you protecting the screen? I'm guessing it's very well protected, right? It's not just like a watch that you would wear. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's got to be encased in something so that it doesn't break. Yeah, we do have uh, several uh, different uh, submodels and iterations of the scanner. So we do have one with a, with a display which is being perceived really well uh, in the market uh, over the last uh, 13, 14 months. Uh, but it's it needs to be a rugged device, so there is some yeah. you know padding added around to it on the casing, and uh, there are certain like several drop tests uh, that we have to pass in order to make it make it work. So that's a ruggedness of the devices, keeping in mind the um, the form factor and the design. Um, and and one of the things that we always like about like our our, our customers, our users, think, oh, I'm I'm Spider Man, I'm Iron Man, because if they're wearing it on their hand, they're they're pointing it. <laughs> Uh, to use it uh, to use it to scan something. So there is that affection with the with the products that we make. We don't want to lose that by making something too rugged. Um, so um, we always try to balance that with these uh, the, the the user customer delight, the obviously the technical thing that needs to be achieved on an industrial shop floor, plus the the ruggedness, durability, sustainability of the product. Uh, that's those are all things that are in the equation for us. I love that. You feel like a Marvel character when you're wearing the bro, the pro glove wearable. And you mentioned a drop test. I'm thinking back to like, you know, elementary school where we dropped an egg and tried to not make it crack. How do you how do you do a drop test? <laughs> so uh, we have some very interesting machinery in our in our shop floor uh, in Munich uh, that like uh, we, we do have. Uh, uh, like uh, automated tests. And we also kind of, because we use our own products uh, on our shop floors as well, yeah. uh, we're in constantly, want, like, uh, so our manufacturing line is actually a lab for us in that regard, our, our own production. Nice. So, uh, but we do have uh, pretty robust, um, you know, test, uh, you know, uh, capabilities on our, on our, um, uh, on our, on our shop floor our, ourselves, but for some other like tests, like temp, because, Sometimes our, our, our scanners are being used in freezers or, or then like you spend okay. an X amount of time in a, you know, minus 30 degrees uh, Celsius environment. And then you have to then leave out and maybe leave it in a, in a high temperature area that, that right. the, the eventually the scanner needs to sit there to get charged. So we have to, we have all these other, uh, you know, capabilities that we have some testing partners that, uh, that we work with. Um, and, and that, that is, uh, that is always uh, a, a capability that we have to invest a lot right. of time and resources and attention on. So, yeah, absolutely. All things that I never would have thought of, but that you guys are testing on a consistent basis. So let's talk about the tech, right? So you say that the promise of an industry 4.0 is built on connectivity, data, machines, and technology. And I, you know, I absolutely agree with you on that. I'm seeing these trends all of the time, talking about them very often on the show and on Clubhouse. But clearly, you know, there are challenges that come along with pulling these areas together. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about ProGloves Insight and that mm -hmm. promises vi visibility and analytics. How does it all come together and integrate into a customer's systems and what's the benefit of that on their workflow? And I'll, I'll start with the, the basic definition of what Insight is and how we arrived uh, uh, at this, at this uh, point in, in the whole journey. Like in, in most simple terms, Insight Platform is a digital industrial engineer. So because we can collect all this data uh, from, the, from the processes that our scanners are being used, because we can then contextualize the data 
with the process information. So we can create a process layout, associate all these scanners and connectivity layers um, and all other information with the scanning events that are happening. Um, the, the, the platform acts like this digital industrial engineer who can conduct time and motion studies. And who could do uh, then? Then that those could be then participating in in um, productivity optimization uh, studies. You can add like benchmark measurements on, for instance, on this picking route. We have to complete uh, X number of jobs, and when it's season time, we have to complete Y number of jobs. How am I doing on a daily basis? How am I doing on an hourly basis? You can create heat maps that tells you uh, the volume of of all these. Scanning uh, performance that is happening along with uh, the, the whole process performance, but also the effort to do my workers uh, walk around too much? Are they t- taking too many extra steps or between sorting station or sorting line one versus sorting line two? Do I have significant differences in terms of human effort? So mm-hmm. with the data, um, we were able to uh, build all these algorithms that actually recognize these patterns. You know, it, it tweets out all the um, all the outliers that comes along with it, and just focuses on the core process data that is based on human motion and and the and the scanner's performance. The interesting thing is that we the journey that started uh, with building the lightest, fastest, smallest uh, wearable barcode scanner, um, as as we as you know the as our as our co-founders built the product and and started to evolve it, and and we you know we raised Series A, and then we got into this journey of now growing the company. The more shop floors we walked into across the world, the more we realized how unique and how um, how common and how different simple processes are across the world, even for for the same customer. So that that's the uniqueness of of being part of the industrial landscape is that a picking process is a picking process. Fantastic, but the way that it's done, uh, you know, it, you would think that it, in a in a DC for an e-commerce provider in Brazil versus an automotive provider in in, in Germany, you 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 would find a lot of similarities, but those uh, the differences are so different yeah. uh, from one another. Uh, I think that would be the best way to say it. We realize that we have to build software to make it work, to make it uh, the product a plug and play product that could work anywhere in the world in any shop floor that we walk into. Right. So the whole promise uh, the, uh, of like uh, making this a very um, you know human-centered, user-friendly product led us to the path of building connectivity software around it so that um, you can just scan uh, something and get going immediately. Um, and so that led us to building, you know, configuration mechanisms that has combinations and permutations of thousand different use cases. Uh, there are various types of different barcodes, which I didn't know before I joined ProGlobe, and you'd be amazed <laughs> by the variety. Uh, and so, um, so we have to make sure that we can support all these different types of barcodes. We can support all these different processes on different types of uh, shop floors. There are different like connectivity protocols that goes along with it. There's different layers and generations of technology that needs to be used. There's security concerns, compliance concerns. So we had to build software that makes sense uh, out of all this um, you know, complexity. Right. So that complexity and, and all the things that we were able to do with our connectivity software so that we're simply plug and play on all the shop floors led us to the value of the data and, and how much, uh, you know, how underused uh, some of the data points on the shop floor is. Right. And specifically speaking, you would notice too, like logistics is traditionally underserved yeah. um, in, in, in these kind of areas. So that kind of led us to think that we do have a killer product here. If we can, you know, add our, you know, the, the, the variable solutions that we have, along with our know-how on the shop floors and how to operate around really massive amounts of data, um, and we were able to build the inside platform, our digital industrial engineer, that would help our customers uh, optimize. 
Awesome. So one question I have out of all of that is because you you painted the picture really, really well as to how they work together and how important that insight is. What is the onboarding? So if I'm a customer and I'm looking to onboard the wearables and I'm looking to onboard the technology and like you said, plug it into what we're currently using, how fast can that process be? It could be like the actual technical operational side to get a scanner up and running is like a couple of minutes. Um, but the thing is, like, we realize that we are part of a transformation play yes. or, or an efficiency play mm-hmm. or some sort of optimization play on the client side. Right. So that's why we always take this partnerial approach to help uh, customer solution along with it. Uh, we don't just sell the, the the units, the widgets, and then walk away. So we definitely want to be part of that that play. So uh, the technicality uh, of getting up and running, uh, putting like a firmware update for 150 scanners that you would have on two different uh, shop floors, uh, we automated all of those things and, and made it very easy, easy to use. But on the other hand, uh, we are really, really deeply in, invested in the processes um, that our scanners are being used. And that is one of the reasons why we wanted to have a full portfolio uh, that includes software along with that, too, so we can help them transform. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, so I am also really intrigued by your approach to people and technology because, you know, the rapid rise in things like AI and automation is a concern for a lot of workers, you know, particularly those working on the ground floor of supply chain in places like warehousing. But I understand that ProGlove believes that digital transformation will be a greater force in business when the human factor is fully incorporated. And so your mission is to enable Enable the worker as the driving force within Industry 4.0 and digital transformation, digital transformation, which I love. So tell us more about that. Why is this integrated approach the key to the future? Right on. And, and uh, I need to note that because we're human-centered, like uh, I wouldn't want us to be positioned that we're against robots and automation. We're a technology company right. uh, in that sense. So that's something that we always highlight. I think the key, it's not a competition. It's not a fight. It's a collaboration. I really like the terminology that is now being talked about, human-machine collaboration, human-robot collaboration. Uh, it, it is not like, um, I don't think they're mutually exclusive, like if you automate a certain parts of your process, certain parts of your value chain, you would immediately realize that your human workers need to now operate at, at a different level. Right. So you need to upskill your, uh, your, your, your workers, your human workers. You need to educate them on different things. You got to train them on new things. You got to make sure that um, they're um, engaged uh, with the day-to-day that they do so they can perform and enjoy what they do. So I think it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a collaboration rather than, a competition. So uh, in that sense, um, we, with especially within logistics and, and, and manufacturing, we're, as I mentioned earlier, we're seeing this great, uh, you know, differences in the degrees of sophistication of technology that is being used. Right. Even, even for one, one customer that they might have, you know, 15 different manufacturing plants across the globe, one over the other might have severe differences on how they do things or how mm-hmm. they implement the technology, which is totally understandable with the things that they have to do. And especially yeah. in the, I, I come from a logistics uh, technology background. I spent almost the last uh, 12, 13 years in this space. So I know it pretty well that like any stakeholder across this value chain 
they have the hardest job, like all the way from truck drivers to, uh, you know, the dock workers, you know, the, the, all the things that needs to happen in the distribution center on a warehouse. These are extremely difficult places to operationally run. So um, I think, uh, you know, using anything, any technology that would help them be better, uh, that'll help them build more resilient businesses, that'll help them more future-proof businesses. Uh, we're very open to uh, the idea. So in that sense, uh, I think this natural uh, progression of us building more software as we grow our wearable portfolio, as we as we build our, our, our IoT portfolio, we're definitely going to be looking ways to work with the machinery and, and help uh, our customers upskill their human workers along with, in the process. Yeah, and it's interesting because you you call your workforce empowered workers, right? And so you not only talk the talk, but you also walk the walk with your with your people and making sure that your people are valued, feeling valued and empowered. Um, and it's an important part of what you do over at ProGlove, right? Absolutely. I mean, we, we have to uh, we have to live it internally first. And and uh, and, and it is, uh, you know, interesting to see the growth of our company uh, over the years in that sense that like we do have a lot of people who's been with us uh, since day one, like um, along with the along with the co-founders. And they've been living through that, too. One of the first German words that I, I learned was the Offenheit. It means I uh, candor, openness. So we do have that um, openness uh, with our people. Uh, we do have that like casual entrepreneur spirit, although we're now like almost 200 people. Uh, we have uh, people from, you know, seven different countries, 70, 70 different countries. We have all these various languages spoken uh, at, at Proglo. Like, uh, you know, I, now like I'm, I joined a meeting from, uh, you know, from, from Chicago. We have, uh, we have a colleague in Muni. We have another colleague in Belgrade. We have someone else joining from France. So we have this like very rich culture within the company that literally reflects on our, our, our day-to-day. So I think we've, we have a very, very good model where we can truly like harvest uh, the, the different perspectives that we all bring to the table. And um, our, the, our office spaces in, in Munich, um, in Belgrade, and in, in Chicago are all built with that mindset. One of the things that we've announced uh, way back months ago is that everyone can work remotely, uh, even post-COVID, like we, we really have figured out how to do this, I think, in a lot of places across the world that are, um, we wanted to make sure that our, our people feel comfortable um, with it. Everyone is going through like psychologically challenging times, right? Like there's, uh, I was just talking to a colleague in, in, in Munich, they still have curfew uh, in Munich, like um, Chicago, we don't feel the same way as much. So we have to be very mindful of the things that they have to go through uh, in that regard. So we, we definitely keep it very open. Uh, we really value openness, directness. We try to do a lot of things together as much as we can. Yeah. Although we are a little bit post being startup right now, I would say we're a scale up company now with Series B raised uh, with the with the portfolio that we have, with the, the global footprint that we were able to reach to. But we definitely want to preserve the, the uh, DNA that we have. I love everything that you're saying. And actually, that was a nice transition because my next question to you is who is your ideal client? I mean, you have some impressive customers. Um, so is ProGlove best suited to enterprise level business or are you just as good a solution for smaller brands? That's a really good question in the sense that when I when I first took the job, um, that was like, all right, let's segment, right? Like let's, let's segment the customers, understand the personas again. Let's see all the needs. Um, but the I think this is this goes back to my comment on how similar certain processes are. 
uh, when it when it comes to you know the the, the use case that is, it is involved in, and, and and we're seeing that a lot. Like the differences in in the way that things are implemented, the protocols. That's one thing, but like a picking process is a picking process. A sorting process is a sorting process. Um, if you need to do sequencing, if you need to do receiving at a, at a warehouse, uh, these are all very similar. So in that sense, we're seeing a very interesting spectrum of clients from all the way from SMB to globally acknowledged like enterprises. Uh, what we're seeing is uh, a lot of like uh, centralization on the verticals that we operate in. Uh, automotive, uh, logistics, uh, retail, e-commerce, so um, wherever these uh, human processes that we're best at, uh, we're seeing this kind of like centralization rather than um, focusing on a certain um, segment Sorry. based on size. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, if you're a regular listener, it's time for one of my favorite questions, which is around the case study. So can you paint us a picture of how you've helped a customer with your technology? What was the challenge that they came to you with? What was the solution that you provided? And what was the impact? What was the ROI and the benefit? Absolutely. And um, that's, um, I think the key thing, um, as I mentioned earlier, is that that minimum six seconds that you save per scan, and especially uh, in an environment where you have to do thousands of scans to, to be able to complete uh, your day-to-day -day job. So we have hundreds of success stories uh, where our customers are seeing the immediate ROI. Um, like, you know, and, and our, 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 usually our product is being used for roughly to, uh, you know, 1,500 scans a day to up to, you know, 4,000 scans a day. Uh, we do have some customers during season um, that per scanner scanning 6,000 items a day per shift. So there is like, there are wow. some, you know, incredible numbers that are out there as well too. So that saving six seconds of just finding that uh, utility that you use, scan it, drop it back. That is the core thing that comes with the package immediately. So right. that, uh, while that was conquered at so many different clients across different verticals, uh, we have now focused on trying to help them with software as well. So with, uh, we've been uh, we've launched the software product about five weeks ago, but we've spent uh, almost the entire last year in beta working with several clients across the world, and 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 one of the largest uh, you know parcel delivery systems in Europe. I would say they're probably the second in Europe. Uh, they use it uh, for to pick up uh, the item for uh, for pre-sorting. So they 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 um they 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 it's typical collecting route uh, collection route that they have to go through so they pick items and then they bring them to assembly lines uh, sorry they bring them to uh, lines where they could then uh, be sorted out um, and uh, so we implemented our software uh, on on various lines that they have and uh, one of the immediate things that they've recognized is that like some some uh, lines the workers on certain lines had to move more than the others so with uh, looking into the data, doing the, doing the time and motion studies through the scanners, they were able to cut back on number of steps taken by 20%. So the human workforce is, is moving 20% uh, less. So that wasteful energy can, can go back to doing the core things that they need to do that also has re in return uh, has the ROI and efficiency on the, on the processes themselves. But these kind of things also lead to like uh, things of like layout optimizations. Uh, workstation ergonomical yeah. optimizations of things of that nature too. So um, the, the the hands having free and that that ability that freedom uh, teaches you so much on where the human how the human movement should be designed. So we're seeing a lot of improvements uh, on that thanks to uh, Insight Platform. Yeah, well, and the roots 
right? What is what are the routes that people are taking to get to maybe a particular product in a in a in a warehouse and what's the route that they're taking on the way back? And mm-hmm. maybe you could potentially save some time and save some steps by showing them a better route and which way to go, right? And especially if you've yeah. got forklifts moving around, you've got other people moving around, you know, what is that route optimization sort of in and out of the aisles even? Absolutely. Like the, there's a, there's a worker safety, worker well-being angle to this. Yes. Um, there is, as I mentioned, an optimization uh, angle uh, to this. There's uh, worker guidance uh, related things. So there is no waste mm-hmm. in the process. There's no unnecessary movements in the process. So um, the moment the worker data gets anonymized in the shape of process data, yeah. I think that's that has been the key uh, differentiator that can lead to so many things. We have had some implementations where like uh, there are also some interesting challenges uh, for like um, when you virtualize a, a, you know, a shop floor. So you can, you know, virtualize it in, in a 2D format pretty easily. But right. then, you know, shelves exist, uh, yeah. you know, different layers of stacking options exist, uh, different types of material and packaging comes into play, too. So these are always like interesting and fun challenges that we have to solve at the client side. Yeah, I think one of the other ones is getting product down from that top shelf to replenish Mm -hmm. underneath (laughs) and, you know, letting the forklift driver know that you need more product over here. So they just go over there and you don't have to communicate that, you know, verbally or having to walk over to that forklift driver and things like that. So that takes me to my next question about the future. So a couple of questions around this. What do you think the industry is going to look like um, from a wearables, from a technology perspective? And what does the future hold for ProGlove? I think um, it, it is, uh, it, it, this is a really good question. It's one of the, you know, my favorite ones to answer as product. And this is something that like um, we, we burn a lot of brain cells on. I mean, there is the... Um, the whole concept of like having a human-centered product portfolio, uh, you know, gives us uh, so much ability on the shop floor to 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 make sure that we can help again our customers upskill their workers um, and 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 make everything in and around them uh, far more connected and then in result far more understandable. So I think um, we're going to see uh, in the industry, yes, automation will cost some jobs. But in return, I think that it also introduced a lot more jobs as well. I think um, I was reading an article about like, yeah, there could be, you know, X number of millions of jobs that are going to be lost to automation, yet there will be double the amount of jobs that will be created as a result of the growth in the type of industries that uh, that, that the industries we operate in. Yeah. So um, we're, we're very excited about like about the fact that we are human focused as, as a result. So the what the future holds for ProGlow is, as I think we're now moving to a world where we can scan anything and digitize everything. So mm-hmm. we yes, our barcode scanners scan barcodes, uh, but we can also take pictures with our scanners. Uh, we can definitely do a whole lot more interaction with the display uh, product that we have. Um, we can we can certainly uh, have uh, a lot more IoT capabilities, uh, you know, built around the the workers, so we can truly virtualize the environment and create that digital twin uh, in in that side. So we are very keen on continuing to invest, creating a digital twin family in that regard. That there is the human digital twin, the worker. Um, there is the you know digital shop floor. That, that virtualizes uh, the, the processes uh, and, and, and it helps you simulate, helps you forecast. Uh, and there's the digital industry engineers that it is that conducts the studies on it 
This is something that will continue to grow along with uh, keeping our value prop on building ergonomic, ergonomically uh, you know, innovative products uh, that uh, lets the, the workers' hands free, um, that is easy to use and it's plug and play anywhere in the world. So these are, these are definitely the values that has brought us to this point and that we want to continue building upon that. But we see a great feature uh, where we can combine wearable technology with software and IoT. And I think we are at the epicenter of it as ProGlow. And that's something that we find really exciting. I can't wait. I feel so positive and inspired by our discussion today. You know, talking about all of those key industry trends, visibility, connectivity, technology, data, but doing all of that with the workers placed firmly at the front leading the revolution. That really harmonious integration between people and technology is exciting and I think should be a model for the future for lots of businesses in this space. So thank you so much, Ilhan, for joining me today on this show and sharing with us all the exciting things that you are doing over at ProGlove. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you would like to hear more, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to check out the latest. We also have a category filter on that page. So you can actually filter all of our podcast episodes by a supply chain challenge that you might be looking for a solution for or, you know, any other topic in the industry you might be searching. And don't forget to come back next week because we have an extra, extra, extra special episode as I get together with some of my most favorite industry professionals to talk about my journey, to talk about Let's Talk Supply Chain, and to really get together and celebrate our 200th episode. So make sure to join us for that one. If you enjoy our podcast, there are a few ways to support the show. You can follow us, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can even follow us on Clubhouse as well as TikTok. You can subscribe to us over on YouTube. That's the Let's Talk Supply Chain YouTube page. You can also subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. Next, go and visit ships.com. That's right. We not only have a marketplace solution for shippers and freight forwarders to work better together, but we also have a white label solution. So if you're looking to work with your current forwarders or your current customers better, easier, simpler, please get in touch and let us know. So get to go to ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z.com. Reach out to us and we can let we can show you what that looks like. And the amount of time people are saving with this is just amazing. 
You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, we would love to feature your review. We always want to hear from you. So remember to go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.